Hello, everybody. Hello. Good evening. And thank you for joining me. Happy and privileged that you're here, that you have decided to spend even the smallest little bit of time with me. As we begin, what I'd like to ask is that you find yourself a comfortable place to be, a quiet place to be, where you won't be disturbed, so that you can really take in what we're going to be talking about. And even though that Facebook page and your email and texting is probably quite an attractive thing at the moment, give yourself just a little bit of time away from it for the next little while. And as you begin settling, allow yourself to arrive where you actually are. And again, this is because when you arrive where you are, and I know that sounds a little strange, uh, because of course you're here, but most of us are here and not here. And, And when we're here and not here because our thoughts are wandering away, or we're concerned about what's going to be happening in the next hour or two hours or tomorrow or what happened yesterday, it's really hard to take in what's going on, to let yourself really have it, to give it to yourself. So take some breaths. That's all that I ask, that you take some breaths and that you breathe all the way from your feet or from your belly, all the way up through your body. And you take a couple of those. Because nothing is more important, nothing I'm about to say, nothing that anybody can do or say is more important than you actually being here. For that being in this gift of a body you've been given, even though it might not feel very much like a gift at this moment. Yeah, so just a couple of deep breaths. And then as you breathe, also become aware that we're joined by hundreds of people from around the world at this moment. And not only the people who are listening on the phone or online, but the people who will listen in a couple of days when we post the call. So there are so many people who want to use their relationship with food as a doorway to living their true Life to living the life you know you can have, you know you can live. So many people, you're not alone in this. And it's good to realize that now. So again, just see if you can sense that. Because I know you wouldn't be here listening to me on this call if you didn't want that. 
And as we begin the call and you realize that, name for yourself. This is always a good thing when you begin anything. Name for yourself why you're here. What is it you really, really want? Name that for yourself. I want to be free from food, from the suffering around food. I don't want to keep carrying this extra weight with me for the rest of my life. I don't want to keep gaining and losing weight constantly. I don't want my weight and or my relationship with food to be the thing around which the rest of my life is centered. I want to be free. I want to feel light. I want to feel like I'm wearing on the outside what I actually feel myself to be on the inside. I want my insides and my outsides to be a match. See what you want and name that for yourself. It's good to name that because when you name that, that acts as a compass for you. You can keep bringing yourself back to that for the next little while while we're on the call. As your mind wanders, which your mind probably will because that's what all minds do, they go skittering away into thoughts, into the future, into the past. Remind yourself what you really, really want and why you're here. And that will help orient you and it will help guide you. It will help you listen, show up, be present. Good. So I want to tell you a little bit about why I chose this topic As some of you know who read the email that we sent out, I was with a friend of mine, and I've been telling this story a lot because it so struck me, who weighs and measures everything she eats. And in a conversation with her about that, when I asked her why, she was doing that, she said because she was frightened that if she didn't do that, then she would eat everything all the time. And that the only way she felt she could actually live in her body and be at a sane weight was to weigh and measure everything and to really restrict what she ate so that she doesn't eat nuts and she doesn't eat soup and she doesn't eat salad dressing She doesn't drink coffee because in coffee she puts milk and she doesn't trust herself to put just the right amount of milk in there. She would put too much milk and then would come the sugar and then she'd want the coffee and milk and sugar. And so there's a sense of I can't trust myself. I'm frightened of myself. And if I didn't continue like this for the entire rest of of my life, then I would be wildly out of control. And because she doesn't want that, and of course, who does? She feels that her only alternative is to weigh and measure and to hugely restrict what she eats. 
And as I was standing in my kitchen, she was telling me this as I was making soup in my kitchen. We were just standing together talking. And she can't have soup. I think I mentioned that because soup can't be weighed or measured. I was remembering when I felt that frightened of myself, which was many years ago, but I did feel as frightened of myself and my hungers as she feels of her hungers. And I did also believe at that time, and I was in my late 20s then, that if I let myself, and of course it had happened so many times that I kept believing this was true, if I let myself start eating a box of cookies, a piece of chocolate, ice cream, really sort of anything, but in those days chicken without skin and cottage cheese and salad, then I would overeat. While I was standing in my kitchen with my friend, I realized that for me what changed was that I realized I did not want to go through the whole rest of my life not trusting myself around food. And in a broader sense, not trusting myself, not trusting my hungers, not trusting my hunger for alone time, for intimacy, contact with friends, for work, for play, for fun, for pleasure, not trusting anything. Because when you don't trust yourself, when you don't trust yourself to eat what you truly want to eat, when you don't trust your hungers. And I'm not talking about what your mind wants to eat here. I'm talking about what your body wants to eat, what sustains you, what nourishes you, what enlivens you. When you can't trust yourself to even find out what that is because you're frightened that on the way to finding that out, you'll devour the universe. You'll just start eating at one end of your kitchen and you'll never stop. When you can't trust yourself to find that out, you don't trust yourself in general. You can't segment one part of you to another part of you. You can't, you can't end up, and I questioned my friend about this as well. I asked her if she trusted herself in other areas of her life, and she said no, that she was managing quite well, but on an essential and fundamental level, the answer was no, because she was afraid of what she would find out if she went all the way down there. Now, the way I normally talk about this in my workshops and in my retreats is what you've read on the emails or on the Facebook posts, that the way we eat is the way we live. And so if you want to find out what you truly believe about being alive, whether you think you deserve to have pleasure, abundance in your life, if you feel like you have to be ashamed or deprive yourself, punish yourself, feel guilty all the time, that all you have to do is look at your relationship with food and that will tell you what you truly believe 
about being alive. And and I still believe that's true. But on this call, I want to present something I've never talked about before, either in my workshops, in my books, in my retreats, because I've really been thinking about this since my conversation with my friend. Rather than Rather than saying, okay, well, how you eat is how you live, let's flip it around. Let's think about for a moment, and I'd like you to do that with me now. Think about for a moment how you want to live. How you want to live. How you long to live. What you really, really want in this life and from your life here on earth. What do you want your life to be? Now, I'm not talking about I want to be a movie star. I want to be like Meryl Streep. I want to be like Jennifer Lawrence. I want to be a rocket scientist. I want to be a physicist. I want to be I want to be and something concrete. So I'm not talking about a profession here. And I'm not talking about an amount of money you want to make. I'm not talking about whether you want to be a big, major success, a CEO, an entrepreneur. I'm not talking about those things. Those things, those things are fine. And those things might come out of or might not come out of what you truly want for yourself. I'm talking about how do you want to wake up in the morning feeling about yourself? As you go through a day, any old day, today, tomorrow, what do you want to feel about yourself in your own skin? What do you want your relationship with yourself to be? Do you want that to be one of ease, comfort, contentment? Do you want to be comfortable in your own skin? Do you want to, and forgive me, as I tell my retreat students this all the time, that I often talk about the end of our lives at the very beginning of the talk because I think it's important to really, really realize that we have a limited time here on earth. We have what I call 10 minutes here. We have a 10-minute life, basically. It's over before we know it. My 85-year-old mother often says to me, she often says two things to me. One is, I didn't realize 85 was going to come so quickly. I didn't realize it was going to be over so quickly. I can remember, she says, when I was 50. I can remember when I was 16, and I'm sure you can too. If you're 50 now, you could probably remember really well when you were 16 or 18. Now, maybe you don't want to remember it so well. Maybe that wasn't a happy time, but you can probably remember certain days or moments of your life that happened 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years ago 
and you can remember them perfectly. I can remember the day I was leaving for college. I can remember sitting at the airport because I went to school in New Orleans with my roommate who I didn't like at all, who later became and still is one of my very best friends in the world. But I can remember what it felt like that day. And I can remember days when I was 11, when I was first put on a diet. And then my mother says to me at 85, and I don't feel any differently really inside myself now than I did when I was 16 because there's something that doesn't age. There's an essence about ourselves that doesn't age. So given this, Given that it goes by quickly, that we all have 10-minute lives, it's over before we know it, how do you want to spend the rest of your life feeling inside yourself, being? Do you want to trust yourself? Do you want to open to yourself? Do you want to know the promise that you glimmer, that you sense, that you might not be living right now? What do you really want? And then let's work backwards. Let's have our relationship with food. Let's have the way you want to live be a determining factor in the way you eat. Let's have the way you want to live be the doorway into how you eat. Now, as I said, I've been writing and speaking about this the other way. How you eat is how you live. Your relationship with, your, with food is a doorway to the rest of your life. Let's have it be that how you want to live the rest of your life is a doorway to your relationship with food. My guess is you don't want to live the rest of your life being frightened of yourself. You don't want to live the rest of your life depriving yourself of what your heart's desire is. You don't want to live the rest of your life being frightened that if you truly listen to your hungers, your needs, your impulses, you would destroy yourself. Because when you live like that, you end up with a very small, deprived, frightened life and you get to the end of it thinking what happened how come I didn't live why did I let myself be wrung out by the size of my thighs because you realize hopefully sooner or later that you can't take those thighs with you So why not get in touch with how you want to live and let that be what shapes, excuse the pun there, but shapes your relationship with food because it's possible. This is what I know to be absolutely true, 100%, not one doubt. I would stake my life on it in the blink of an eye that it's possible to trust yourself.
It's possible when you stop letting the stories you've told yourself run both the way that you are with food and the way you are in your life. When you stop letting your fears determine your relationship to people and to food, there is truth there. There is realness there. There is ease there. You know, for me, ever since I read that Mary Oliver poem in which she says, I want to be a bride married to amazement. That's what I want my life to be. I realize that's what I want my life to be too. I want that. And what I'm here to tell you is you can trust what you love. And you can trust what you love more than you fear what you fear. Because the fear is just a reaction. Right now, in this very moment, right now, notice what you can trust. Let's just start now, because I know some of you are saying, eh, I can't do this, no, no way, or let me lose weight first and then let me trust myself. Some of you are saying that right now, but what can you trust now? Can you trust your foot? The sensation of your foot on the ground? Can you trust? your hand on the chair, your hand on the pillow, wherever your hand or foot is, can you trust where it is that you have that, that you sense that? Yes, you can. It's not a big leap of faith because it's a direct experience. And so what happens when you start naming what you want most and then and then realizing i can live like that i can start easily like that by giving myself the chance to trust my hunger in this moment to trust that when i eat that it doesn't feel good It makes me spacey. There is something that I love and that I want so much, which is to feel fully alive, that I am willing, and this is what you have to ask yourself, and I think in some ways this is what it comes down to. Are you willing to trust that and to go all the way with that. For me, I realized I just didn't want to get to the end of my life and be frightened of myself. In fact, I didn't want to spend another day being frightened of myself. Not another day. And so we begin very softly, we begin slowly, and we begin concretely. I teach a set of eating guidelines. Some of you might know those, some of you might not know those. 
they have to do on the most bottom level with eating what your body wants when it's hungry and until it's had enough. And so learning what enough is, learning what your body wants. On the food level, we work like that. And on the emotional and spiritual level, we establish a ground of goodness so that you can learn to distinguish the stories the, the scary stories you're telling yourself from what's true in this moment. You learn how to take in the goodness in your life and take a moment right now. Think about and let yourself take in something good. It might have been something that happened today. It might be something you're looking at, something you're touching, It might be the fact that you're above ground at this moment, that of the 450,000 people who died today, you're not one of them, that you can still take a hot shower, that when you turn on the tap, water comes out. For me, um, it's, it's early here in California. The sun's still out. I'm looking at this budding magnolia tree, and it's gorgeous and I've walked by it three or four times today maybe five or six times half those times I didn't even notice it now I'm looking at it and I'm taking in how gorgeous it is and what you pay attention to grows and when you focus on goodness and part of goodness is naming what you truly want naming your heart's desire, because that's good. But goodness is also the magnolia tree. Then your brain chemistry changes, and you light up inside. Notice what it feels like to focus on what's good. So what I'm talking about this trusting what you most want in your life, from your life, from being alive, from being here on earth school. Now, I I want to just have a caveat and say that that doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. Some of you might, might be saying, oh, this is going to be hard. Yes, but two things. The way you're doing it is already hard. The suffering that you're going through in your relationship with food is often agonizing. The fear that you feel is painful. So it's not like you get to choose hard versus easy. But what you do get to choose is freedom and contentment versus fear and suffering. Because we all have challenges in our lives. We all have some degree of heartbreak in our lives. We all have some degree of pain. The suffering part is what you add to it. There's a difference between pain and suffering. I used to use this analogy all the time, that if a hot ember landed in the center of your hand, it would be painful. If you clutched 
and wrapped a clenched fist around that hot ember, that would be suffering. You would be adding to the pain, and that's what we often do. I'm scared. I can't do it. What happened the last time I did it? What happened the time before I did it? What happened five years ago when I did it? I can't do it. I can't be trusted. No, 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 no. What's true is that you need support. This is very hard to do alone. And what I want to do is read you now a letter, part of a letter that someone in my retreat handed me last week. Between the retreats, we do very small weekends, only for retreat students. And she handed me this last weekend about her experience since the retreat. This is to say that all that you want is possible. I'm writing to you directly because my life is different and better because of coming to the retreats. The key phrases I go back to are the ones that talk about our relationship with food being the doorway to our relationship with ourselves. When I first heard those words, I understood only on a vague, intuitive level what you were talking about. I knew it was true that my compulsive relationship with food was getting in the way of my being in touch with my true being, but I also had no idea how I was to simultaneously overcome my compulsiveness and also use it as a doorway to self-discovery. The two things seemed to be contradictory. In the two months since coming to your retreat, because I did finally manage to come to a retreat, my life has truly, utterly turned around. On the foundation of the work we did and a growing sense of worthiness, I have seen a couple of very practical changes in my life. I've made a gradual adaptation to following the eating guidelines and What is most amazing is that I don't feel the slightest bit deprived in eating the foods that my body wants. I feel filled and energized. I am taking more pleasure in eating than I ever did in all my years of compulsively eating everything I thought I wanted. I also, and this is the most significant part or one of them for me, of doing regular work with my buddy because at the retreats we pair people up so that you can stay engaged in the work with a peer. One of the most significant parts has been freedom from the voice, the voice of judgment, the voice of criticism. I really understand now what you meant when you said that we must deal with this critical voice in order to grow. This voice has quieted enough for me to make some major changes in my life. Finally and most significantly, in the the midst of making all these wonderful changes, I've truly begun to come home to myself. I am no longer leaving myself in the same self-destructive ways, and I am standing in my own being on good days and bad ones. As a result of being able to use my relationship with food as the doorway and learning how to simply be with myself, I have not eaten compulsively during one of the most difficult times of my entire life. I feel happy again. So 
I wanted to read that to you so that you know in somebody else's voice that what you want, what you truly, truly want is possible and that the doorway to it can either be how you most want to live your life, naming that and believing that that's possible, or beginning with what you're in such pain about, which is your relationship with food. And the reason I say that is because when we suffer about something, we are motivated to change it. And so our greatest suffering is often where our greatest opening is because we don't want to keep suffering. So we're motivated, we're willing to find out what we need to do in order to change. And so just going on this letter from this retreat student, and I was so moved by that, I want to say that there is a way, there is a path of engagement, there is support that you can have that's available to you. And I have dedicated my life to this because I suffered so much in my relationship with food because it was such a hell realm for me for so long. I knew that I had to find a way out and I knew that I wanted my work to be helping other people know that they could find a way through, I should say. And so the retreat and what I call the Hot Fudge Sunday of all of my work, these retreats have been the most fabulous expression of this work for me because they are the places, each retreat, and our next retreat is coming up in May. Our next retreat is in mid-May. These retreats have been the place where I have seen the most amazing openings, where I have seen people walk in on the first day saying, I'm here really because my friend paid for me, because my friend dragged me, because I didn't know what else to do, because I'm at the end of my rope, and leave with this sense of, oh, why didn't I do this before? I can't believe that this is possible for me. In the retreats, we give one-on-one feedback, support. There's group support, and the crowning joy of the retreats, of course, are our eating meditations, which I write about in Women, Food, and God, in which we eat together, in which we sit and we notice What's going on with food? Why do I want this? Why do I not want this? Most of the time with food, we're so focused on the next bite and the next bite that we're not focused on this bite, which is very often how we are in our lives. We're focused on the next thing, but we don't allow ourselves to have this thing, this moment, this feeling, this sensation. At the retreats, we get to see on a moment-to-moment basis how we get in our own way from living the lives 
we truly, truly want. And where we see that over and over and over again is with food. When people first do an eating meditation after reading about it in Women, Food, and God or even not reading about it, there's a little bit of, really? I'm going to sit here being aware of every bite and then within a couple of days there's a sense of, oh, I can have the food that's in my mouth. I can see why I was using food. I can see that I don't need to be frightened. I can see that I thought I loved pancakes and I don't. Or I thought I didn't like pancakes and I love them. So we get to see everything we bring to our relationship with food, which is pretty much the whole world, because as Pema Chodron says in her new book, How We Do Anything well, actually, that's Sherry Huber. How we do anything is how we do everything. And Pema Chodron says anything is a path to everything. So we get to see how we are present or not present, suffering or not suffering, how we deprive ourselves, judge ourselves, make ourselves wrong. Being in a community of women Being in an immersion experience for six days is transcendent. So I want to encourage all of you on two levels. One is that you think about what you most want from your life, whether you can or can't join us at the retreat. You become aware of what it is you most want and you realize that what you want, being comfortable in your own skin, honoring yourself, acknowledging yourself, feeling worthy, loving yourself, respecting yourself, cherishing yourself, welcoming all of your hungers is possible. And what I would recommend you do is decide on at least one thing you can do every day to remind yourself of that, even if it's only taking five minutes to notice what's good in your life, five minutes a day, not so much, so that you begin doing something that honors that deepest longing that you have to feel good inside your own skin. And the other thing that I would love is for you to join us in May at our retreat where we talk about all of this, where we work with all of this, where we put this into practice and where you get endless support to do it. It's a gift you give yourself. It's a way you get your life back. Most important is that you know you are worthy. Most important is that what you've given away, the power you've given away to food, that you take that back any way you can. The retreat is one way, one immersion experience way, one way that I offer, one way that I love, one way that I believe in, one way that I know works. 
But most important is that you start today. That even if you're coming or want to come to the retreat, you don't wait. You know that the power is yours. You know what you deserve. You know that you do not need to be frightened of yourself. You trust what you love, and you love the love more than you fear the fear. Okay, everyone. It's wonderful to talk to you, and thank you so much for joining me. I wish you all many blessings, much love, and that you find out what you love and that your life be an expression of that. I hope to see you soon. All right. Bye-bye.